This is Play by Playcast. Is that faster than a greyhound? The podcast about play by play guys. For play by play guys, by I'm told, a play by play guy. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Now, here's the host of Play by Playcast, Todd Bodet. <laughs> Wait, the Motel 6 guy? We'll leave the light on for you. No, Joel Godet. Joe Godet. Joel. Joe. Joel? Joel, with an L. Okay. Here's your host, Joel Godet. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. All right, episode number 95 of Play by Playcast. And I think the first one in about a year that I've recorded from the road in a team hotel. Back on the road with Ball State Baseball in Ypsilanti, Michigan. Three-game series with Eastern Michigan coming up over the next couple of days. Or if you're listening to this on time, uh, it starts today. Um, I think it's the first one that I've recorded from the road. I don't know. It's kind of a blur. Anyway, it means baseball season is back here. And if uh, you need your baseball play-by-play fix uh, and you have not heard episode 94 of the podcast yet, make sure you scroll back a week and check out our episode with Andy Mazur last week uh, from the White Sox Network and previously the voice of the San Diego Padres. Uh, good conversation with Andy Mazur last week. Brent Stover from CBS Sports Network. The week before that, Matt Chazanow from Washington State and Jim Donovan with a couple of episodes before that. Some really good ones coming up uh, over the next couple of weeks as well, including today's episode. Um, we will tell you about our uh, upcoming episodes at the end of the podcast. Today, though, a conversation I had a lot of fun recording on Monday this week with Kate Scott of the Pac-12 Networks. Um, really fun to talk to. Uh, and you you get the sense of passion that she has for this industry. I mean, it just oozes out of her voice. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll dive into a lot of things with Kate Scott. But before we do that, housekeeping notes, as always, we're on Twitter, at PXPCast. I am on Twitter, at Joel Godet, J-O-E-L-G-O-D-E-T-T. And of course, this wouldn't be play-by-playcast if I did not remind you that this is the podcast about play-by-play broadcasters for play-by-play broadcasters hosted by a play-by-play broadcaster. It's a professional development podcast diving into the tips, tricks, experience, stories, process, and preparations of some of the biggest and best play-by-play announcers in the business. Uh, Who is Kate Scott, first and foremost? Uh, Pac-12 Networks does football women's volleyball, basketball, soccer, softball. Uh, She also is the host of Pac-12 Today, a daily show on Sirius XM Radio, and does play-by-play for uh, NBC Sports Network, does Atlantic 10 women's basketball for NBC Sports Network. She's the competition. I I did Atlantic 10 women's basketball for CBS Sports Network this year. Um, And then Kate also made big-time headlines back in 2016 when she filled in for Ted Robinson um, doing a couple of preseason games on the radio for the San Francisco 49ers. But I'm going to read you literally from the resume here. Uh, In addition to everything that I just rattled off, also works for NBC Sports Bay Area and California. Previously spent time as the morning sports anchor, and she'll talk about this on the pod, uh, for KNBR Radio in San Francisco. Has been the sideline reporter for the San Jose Earthquakes. Has been the Saturday night sports anchor at KNTV NBC in the Bay Area. Has been the co-host of SFG Live, San Francisco Giants show. She's been a voiceover talent for Stitcher. She worked on the Cal Radio Network as a host for IMG. She's been a traffic and sports reporter for CBS uh, News. You can run down the whole list. Uh, Kate has done a ton in her still burgeoning career. Uh, She's just 34 years old. And uh, she's done it uh, as well. Uh, And we'll talk about this on the podcast. Being a female play-by-play announcer, which is something that is become coming more common but very very slowly um and something that still we could probably use some more of uh you know we had lisa byington on this podcast uh a long time ago we had ann schatz on this podcast who's truly one of the female trailblazers in this industry uh just a couple of weeks ago Uh, i think she was back in the high 80s if you want to go scroll through the archives and find that um so we'll talk to to kate about being a woman in play-by-play and some of the things that she has encountered with that and the hurdles and and hoops that even nowadays you still not necessarily have to jump through and, and certainly probably do have to jump through, but also feel like you have to jump through as well. A good conversation today. Without further ado, here is Kate Scott. 
from the Pac-12 Networks. How she first got into this crazy business uh, that we call play-by-play, and actually, it goes back before that, not even just play-by-play. How did she get into sports media? For that, we've got to go to her high school days in Clovis, California. So I was actually walking to the uh, office, you know, just the big office at your high school, because I was one of those just brown or kids who was always talking to the uh, executive assistants and, hey, let me swing by the AD's office and let me shout out the principal and <laughs> let me just be in everybody's good graces. So I was that kid and still am uh, now at 34 and in the play-by-play industry. Um, but he just stopped me out of the blue. I was going into the office. He was walking out. And it was around that time where it's your junior year of high school and you're, everybody's asking you what you want to do. So you're supposed to figure out even though you're a junior in high school. So you don't really know. You just want to know what your friends are doing on Friday night after the game is <laughs> over. Um, and I just looked at him and said, well, I think I'm going to be I think I'm going to be a teacher. You know, my mom's a teacher. I love the idea of impacting young people and just trying to make the world a better place through like teaching people how, how to deal with life. Uh, and he said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> and then he said, but I just want to point something out to you. Uh, you do the PA announcing at our soccer games, which I did. Uh, you're on the microphone at our Friday night football games, leading cheers, which I did. Um, you're coming into the office every morning to do our morning announcements over the, the school loudspeaker, which was so much fun. And just used to annoy the heck out of all the teachers and students in the morning. Ladies and gentlemen, coming up this Friday for Clovis High School. You know, I was just trying to be the, the most annoying announcer person ever. So anyway, that was like a little snippet of the other things in addition to playing for varsity sports that I was doing. And he said, you love to be on a microphone. You love sports. You know sports. You're writing for the high school newspaper for sports. Why don't you look into making this a career? Um, so it was literally not until that moment of hearing someone, you know, kind of smack me on the forehead and say, hey, idiot, all of these things in your life are lining up telling you to do this. Um, why don't you do this? Uh, that I even started to consider it just because it's the whole why are you going to be what you can't really see? There were so few women doing it at that time um, that I just didn't even really consider it um, a, a career path for myself, obviously. Um, and then just to kind of get back to, to some of the things I mentioned. So, yeah, I was just always on a microphone uh, because it was something that I loved to do, dating back to starting the MC events when I was in junior high school. It just felt really natural. I was on the microphone at rallies, you know, leading the way for the seventh and eighth graders uh, and then just transitioned into doing that. Whenever I wasn't playing a sport, I always wanted to be on the microphone announcing the other sports at my high school. And I was given that opportunity. So, so yeah, that's kind of where I was when when things slowly started to fall into place do you ever wonder like just out of curiosity like what kate scott the teacher would have been like uh or even yes. now like do you, are, are there things that you do now in your career um that that kind of satisfy that that thirst of wanting to maybe impact younger people and and yeah. ways that you can still do that now going down the path you have yeah, shape the youth of the world. Um, yeah, and it's kind of strange because I still, um, I still feel extremely young in this industry, um, and that's hard to kind of get across to some people in my life who who, who want me to be further along. <clears throat> my wife, um, who who just kind of say, okay. But come on, aren't you aren't you gonna be you know to this spot soon? I I try to tell people play by play is a really long, slow journey. Um, but but to answer your question, so it feels weird to me to be already. But then I look back and realize, okay, I have been in this industry for 15 years now. Yeah. So so of course I'm mentoring because <laughs> 15 years is a really long time. Um, so I kind of get both sides of the coin. But yeah, so so that's what I found. Um, over the last, gosh, probably five to eight years, it's kind of the general time frame of, okay, I can, I can speak to people who want to come up in this industry, whether it's guys or girls, whether it's, uh, individually or in classes, you know, most recently I was up in Oregon calling a, a fantastic Oregon UCLA softball series and, uh, the awesome group, uh, AWSM is a women in sports media group that I really like. Uh, they have an Oregon branch and they invited me the night before 
for uh, the series opener to, to speak to the kids and some guys showed up and we just we just talked for a good two hours um, about everything. Uh, so, you know, I lay out my path and then I love answering questions. That's the best part, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, enough about me. OK, what do you guys <laughs> really want to know? What is the industry really like now? And that's the crazy thing, too. It has changed so much in 15 years. Yeah. Kids ask me how they should get their start. And I say, I don't really know anymore. Here's what I've heard from the PAs that I work with at the Pac-12. Here's how I got my start. Here's how some of my good friends in the industry got their start. And it's all different. Um, so, yeah. So so a long winded way of answering your question about, you know, how, how do I get my fill of the teaching? That's one way I do it. Um, and I try to go out of my way when I can. And I'm sure there's kids at the Pac-12 Network who hate me for it. But just to try, try to use things as teaching moments as often as I can, you know, pull them aside so it's not in front of everybody. But here's how this went. Here's how I think we can do it differently in the future to make it better for both of us. Um, but yeah, I sometimes think about what uh, crazy teacher Kate would be like, and I'm sure I'd be crazy. I'd be the teacher dressing up, <laughs> dressing up for the, you know, Friday hat days and the wear your pajamas to school Tuesdays and kids would probably roll their eyes at me all the time and think I was the most uncool person ever. So very similar to, to me now, just <laughs> teacher as opposed to a uh, sports broadcaster. Miss <laughs> Scott came in dressed as Margaret Thatcher today. It was very odd. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> uh, so how did you, uh, w- once you went down this road, I know you you were very active in writing when you first got involved and when you went to Cal. Uh, at what point did you say, like, play-by-play is, is the long, slow journey that I would like to pursue <laughs> and, and take a shot there? Yeah, so that wasn't even until after I uh, graduated from Cal, um, which is another... I guess, just interesting part of my journey. So uh, started kind of on the microphone and writing from a high school newspaper uh, at Clovis High down in the Central Valley, Fresno, Clovis area of California. Uh, went to Cal, continued writing, and then got into the television side of things um, when I bugged a guy with a camera, Paul Aldridge, who's one of my mentors, um, and worked on the Cal Highlight Show. This is way before the Pac-12 network, so it was... Gosh, I think it was Fox Sports Bay Area at that time. As everybody who who's worked for the regionals knows, it's changed so many times. <laughs> it's Fox Sports, and then it was Comcast, and then it was NBC, and then it was Fox again, and now it's NBC. But anyway, so we would produce this um, kind of like live-to-tape 30-minute highlight show once a week, and I was the student uh, two-and-a-half-minute segment on that show. Um, so I did that at Cal and then graduated and got into radio after I graduated from Cal. Um, and, and by that point, uh, Paul had started doing more and more things, and he was producing um, some of the high school football games here in the Bay Area. So it wasn't until after graduation, when I had started my radio career, actually, and was focusing on that at that point, that just out of the blue, I got a call, and he said, hey, starting to do high school football packages. So we have our live games on Friday nights, and then we're also going to do a B package where we do live-to-tape games on Friday that will air on Saturday, which is like the second best games uh, of that weekend. Uh, and, and you know, I'd love to have you do it. You know, football, I've loved working with you in the past. What do you think? So that was kind of the first foray into play-by-play. And as everybody knows in this industry, uh, it wouldn't have happened without that contact, right? It wouldn't have happened without somebody who I met my sophomore year in college uh, and worked with him long enough to show him my work ethic and my drive and my passion for, for the industry. Uh, so, yeah, that was where I got my first shot in play-by-play. What made you want to do it? Or I guess what did you think when that was proposed to you and you said, like, all right, all right we'll give this a shot and see if I can do it? Yeah, well, kind of similar to all the jobs I've been offered. My first response was, "Oh shit, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do this." <laughs> oh god, this sounds like way out of my range. I don't know how this is going to happen. Um, but I think it gets back to just the curiosity that I possess. I'm just always, I'm still one of those. I still again consider myself a kid who's just always trying to learn and improve and figure out things that I don't understand and how I can do them. Uh, so that was kind of my first response after after cussing uh, to, to the offer. Okay, I don't know how to do this, but man, it sounds like a skill that I'd really be interested in learning. Uh, you know, uh, as a former athlete, one of the things you miss the most is not getting to be there and, and be a part of the emotions, the highs and lows, right? I'm sure you hear this from everybody. Yep. One of my favorite parts, because I do everything else too. I, I do studio anchoring, I do sideline, and there's just something about, same with sideline. 
getting to be at the game and a part of it and and to kind of feel those emotions again from a slightly different perspective. So the idea of that uh, kind of got me thinking, okay, I don't know how to do this, but man, if things work out, it sure it sure sounds like an awesome thing to know how to do and and to get to maybe do as a career. So yeah, I'd love to try. What steps do you take to overcome that 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 oh shit moment? Uh, <laughs> and, and I mean and, and I mean that from if there are people that are out there that are listening to this that uh, are just doing their first anything in play by play or, you know, somebody's out there doing a sport they've never done before. And somebody asks and you're like, well, sure, but oh shit, now what do I do? Uh, (laughs) How did you approach something that was new in terms of uh, researching it or prepping or who did you talk to? How did you get yourself to feel better about it before it started? Yeah. So all of those things. So, so the way I get over it, I mean, I think it's important to feel it because that drives me um, as a, as a sports broadcaster now. The fear <laughs> of messing up uh, for me, oftentimes, it's the fear of letting down my entire gender. Oh, this this woman finally gets a chance. Well, she better not f it up for everybody else who's a woman. You know, like I feel that definitely. Um, so the way I deal with it is multi pronged. Um, so I throw myself into research. I think the internet is, as we've heard multiple times, pretty incredible. I don't know how people kind of taught themselves how to do things before the internet. So I just throw myself into um, watching broadcasts uh, on YouTube because there's so many things available, right? Um, Writing down terminology that you don't understand from a sport, um, listening to things that you like and you don't like, writing those things down for me as well so I can kind of shape and figure out what sort of play-by-play announcer for that sport I want to be. Um, uh, for football, way back in the day when Paul called, I reached out to somebody who I really admired and respected here in the Bay Area. His name is Barry Tompkins, I'm sure. A lot of people who listening to this cast nod and know who he is. Longtime boxing announcer for Showtime. Uh, called a ton of Pac-10 football back in the day. It was called High School Sports Forever here as well. And just cold emailed him. I, I asked somebody for his email, sent him an email and said, hey, uh, <laughs> I've been offered this opportunity. I'm scared out of my mind. I love the way you call games. Is there any chance you'd be willing to have a coffee with me and maybe just chat with me for a little bit? He emailed back the next day. Uh, I think a couple weeks later, we had literally a three and a half hour lunch. It was one of those. It was one of those the servers like stopped filling up our waters because they need to take the break in between lunch and dinner and want us to get the hell out of the restaurant. Um, He brought old boards that I could take home. It was just incredible. And and that kind of not only helped set me on the right path uh, in, in play by play, because that was my first ever foray into it, high school football. <laughs> and one of the things he told me was, if you can do high school football, you could do anything. Yep. There's so many kids on this roster. There's no media guide. So any research, anything more than height and weight, which is probably wrong because probably the teacher <laughs> who plugged it in wasn't really paying attention. If you can get pronunciations from you know, parents, just go into the crowd, talk to as many people as you can, deep dive on the Google, try to find if there's papers who've written about them. He said, if you can do that, you can do anything. So that kind of set me on the path for research for play-by-play. And also really uh, that was kind of the start of wow, he had such a big impact on me. I want to have this impact when I'm to the point in my career where it can actually have an impact on people because I've at least called a couple of games that matter um, and that they, that they will listen as well. So that kind of sent me on the mentoring path too. Uh, so kind of those are the ways I prep. I also read a lot. Uh, just, you know, how-to books. I, I <laughs> One of the, the, the first sport I was ever offered to call for the Pac-12 was volleyball, which is uh, one of the sports I'd never called up to that point. I'd done football. I'd done basketball. Uh, soccer was the sport I played more than anything, so I felt confident when I started doing that that it'd be fine. And, of course, the first sport they offered me is volleyball. Uh, so I was like, ah, shit. Uh, so, again, you know, a deep dive, listen to games. There were so many terms that I didn't understand. So I was, like, on volleyball chat rooms, talking to people, Um but uh, but it all paid off, you know, uh, and now here I am talking to you on, on a cast about play by play announcing. So it's wild. How'd you get good at it? Like, what did you do? Uh, how much of yourself did you watch back? What was the hardest thing for you to, to hone in 
Um, I mean, can you kind of take me on the process from when you started doing it to when you felt confident that that you were good? Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I think it's still That's a, a loaded question. Thing. I know. Yeah. I think it. I know. <laughs> I think it's still a day to day thing. I still. Um, I'm not sure that I'm good at it. I think I'm getting better. Um, This year, year three at the Pac-12 is, I think, the first year where after certain broadcasts, I started to feel pretty good about it. Uh, Like I wouldn't go out to drinks or dinner with the crew afterwards and the whole time be beating myself up about that one thing I didn't say or I couldn't believe that I talked over that one play. I should have just let the picture do the talking. Um, And this, I think, was the first year where I started to say, okay, that was pretty good. There's a couple things I could have done better or differently, but I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm just going to be in the moment with the crew. Um, So how did I get to this point? I think... (laughs) just like being an athlete, the reps are invaluable. You just have to call games and you just have to make mistakes and you just have to listen back. I try to listen back to almost every broadcast, not necessarily the whole broadcast, but just parts that I know. Okay. I know how this sounded in my head. Let's listen back and see how it came across on air. Oh, because most of the time it's not as bad as the just awfulness that I thought it sounded like. Um, But, but when I started doing play by play, Uh, I was often doing radio play-by-play for television, which is something I've heard from a lot of people. Uh, You just feel the need to call everything. You don't realize that you're just capturing pictures, that the picture is there, so you can back off a little bit. So that was kind of listening to my first few broadcasts. I was just talking incessantly. So I think just like writing, just kind of like every part of life, editing um, and learning how to edit yourself it is kind of the process of getting better. Um, so as I stopped talking less and started letting the pictures do more talking, that was also when you start to look up more from your boards, right? You're not yeah. you're not just trying to get everything in. You're not trying to read the novel. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you only use that stuff. You use the stats. Use the stories when we, when they fit with the story of the game that is actually taking place in front of you. And I was just listening to a number of the casts you've done over the weekend. And that was something Dave Fleming said uh, that John Miller just told him to throw away the game notes, you know, I just call the game. Uh, And I think that's really hard to do at first because you do all this research and you have all these great stories, but then you have to realize people just want to see the game and have you call the game. And then if there's one of those great nuggets that you researched that fits with the game, then put it into the puzzle, then help complete the puzzle. Um, but, but you don't have to force those in at all. So that was another part. Um, and then continuing on, I guess, with the editing track this year, I've really, really tried to focus on when I can be quiet and let let really the game and the pictures do the talking because I work with such phenomenal producers and directors at the Pac-12. I got to do my first few games with NBCSN this year back at, uh, in the A10 conference. And the same thing, you're working with such great people. You know, let them shine. Let them do their job too. And same same with analysts. So I was trying as much as possible. Um, that was my focus this year to really let the other people shine, which is what you're supposed to do as a play-by-play announcer. You're the point guard of the broadcast. But I think that's difficult when you're first starting. So, uh, again, very long-winded answer to your question is I try to just focus on one or two things each season so as not to get overwhelmed and in my head too much. Um, But just, you know, the first year I just talked too damn much, period. (laughs) So stop talking as much. Condense your verbiage. Figure out a way to say what you did in 15 words in five words this season. Okay, and, and this season, try to look up more and try to just be in the moment and call the game. Okay, and this season... Try to use silence more when you can. Let everybody else do their job. Um, So I think I'm just trying to focus on one or two things each year to get better. Another thing I was working on this year was uh, making the big moments feel bigger. So uh, you can get excited about the three-pointer, you know, five minutes the first inning home run but you have to allow yourself that place to build to Mm. so so work on that um so those are all the things that i've been working on and uh so just continuing to get better so yeah i don't think that i'm uh good yet i think at times i'm good uh and now i'm just searching for that consistently good on every single broadcast on every single sport that i do 
I want to go back to a couple of things that you brought up there, um, if I can. And, and the, the first one was when you talked about letting the analysts shine more um, and how you've taken that step from, you know, letting the analyst shine versus helping the analyst shine um, and, and what you've done in kind of that quest to to set them up and to, to put them in the best positions and the ways that you found uh, work best to, to get the best out of the people that you work with. Yeah, well, and, and that's a, a really interesting question, Joel, because I get to do both um, with where I am in my career right now, right? I work with some incredible analysts. I work with Mary Murphy at the Pac-12 Network, who <laughs> she coached in the NCAA. She coached in the WNBA. She was a Wade Trophy finalist when she played. She calls, men, she calls men's games for us, you know? Like, she is the tops when it comes to basketball analysts. So I get to call some games with her. So really, it's get out of her way because she's so knowledgeable about the game so I don't have to set her up at all. I just have to get out of her way. Just call the game and she'll do the rest and then really turn and turn and listen. Um, and that's something that took a while to learn as a play-by-play announcer too, right? Don't just watch the game and, and call the things that you want to call. Really turn and listen to, to your analysts so that that's how you continue the story. That's how you keep the flow going. Um, uh, and that's hard at first because you're trying to pay attention to so many things and look at your board and you don't want to miss anything. So it's hard, I think, to, to listen when you're first starting out. Um, so it's easy w- with certain analysts that I work with like that. Um, but then I also get to work with some analysts who are just starting out, who are former student athletes who are just getting into the industry. So with them, uh, it's fun to kind of put on, you know, the mentor hat again and, and talk to them before the game and ask them, okay, what stories do you want to get in? What players do you really know well? What is it that you want to say about them? So that I know even before the broadcast, um, the people that they will feel comfortable talking about when I should lay out the players that they maybe don't know that much about or a coach that they don't know that well so that I can do more of the talking in that point. Um, so that once we get on air, it does feel really comfortable for both of us and we're not stepping on each other and there's not those, you know, you know, when you set up your analysts and all of a sudden they're just looking at you like, why did you just set me up for that? I have nothing to say about that person. Um, so again, it's kind of like pre-show research, same thing um, falls into that. And, and it's just a, a constant learning process too um even working with really well-known analysts like mary you learn the things that they really like talking about and the times where they like to lay out too um so just reps uh and i think i'm really lucky that i get to work with both sides uh people who are just getting started and people who are really knowledgeable because they push me and challenge me in different ways and force me to kind of constantly learn too I kind of like that too, the, the the concise way that you said it's like the 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 pregame analyst checklist of things to go over. Mm-hmm. With them. Um, so I'll have to go back and like mark that down to <laughs> tab it. Um, the other thing you talked about was the talking less, um, and I kind of wanted to juxtapose that too with. Uh, I, I feel like that was that was definitely my problem when I first started doing television. And then, like, I feel like it, it, there are many times where I reeled it in so much because people said talk less and I just stopped talking. Um, mm-hmm. And I got the reverse criticism by some people where it was like, I know you're on television and you want to talk less, but at some point you still have to call the play. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did you kind of find the happy medium? Or, or can you kind of tell me a little bit about uh, your journey of finding that happy medium of e- exactly what you do want to talk about and the way to best capture the emotion without letting it just... Um, kind of be crowd noise and, and, and you be the afterthought as the announcer and, and yeah. still trying to make yourself important to be there. Yeah. And I think still finding it, you know, that's another one of those things that I'm still working on. Um, I, I think the way that I've done it is first couple of years, I was just talking incessantly, trying to get every single thing in, you know, this team beats this team and it's the first time since <laughs> this year. And because of this, they win this. It's like, <laughs> you don't need to get it all in now. You're going to have two minutes after this moment is over to kind of put a bow on it. So I found that I was talking too much and I was getting everything in, but I didn't I didn't know what to edit out at that point because I was so new. So that's when I, and I still do this, I just really pay attention to as many broadcasts as I can. You know, I watch them now 
as a broadcaster, which is annoying sometimes for my friends. Um, but I'll, you know, I'll tell people to be quiet because I want to I want to listen to how somebody's calling something. So, I mean, for example, and this is a couple years old now, but but Joe Buck calling the Cubs first World Series championship in eight million years. Right. Cubs win. And then it's silent for like two and a half minutes, just <laughs> yeah. letting things come in because everybody knew everything about that moment already. So that's all you needed to say. Um, you know, this past weekend has been awesome listening to Adam <laughs> on ESPN. Yeah. Called so many great moments in women's basketball. Here's who hit the shot. Here's what happened. Notre Dame moves on to the national championship. Notre Dame wins the national championship and lay out. That, that's it. You can fill in all the other things in the moments after. So that's what I've tried to do. Um, and I think the first big moment where I got, got to try this, and I'm still not sure I did it exactly correctly, but for some reason, I ended up on Tara Vanderveer's 1,000th career win a couple of years ago. Uh, <laughs> and apologies to everyone at the Pac-12. I like wanting to apologize to Stanford. I'm sorry. I know you'd probably rather have somebody who's done this a little bit more than me on this broadcast. So that's how I was feeling. And uh, I know I shouldn't be feeling that way. But uh, uh, so I, I really was thinking to myself, okay, how if I get the opportunity to call this at the end of the game, I really want everything else to do the talking. Everybody will know what the moment is. So I just really have to call, you know, and Tara Vanderveer joins the 1000 win club and then just let it, let it breathe. Um, so I, you know, nobody, I think as you've heard other broadcasters say, um, I, I don't memorize what I'm going to say, but I definitely during the day was trying a bunch of different ways to call it. <laughs> okay. That was too many words. Okay. Let's try this. Okay. No, this is too little. Um, so, so listening back, I probably would have changed. I would have brought a little more excitement to my voice. You know, we pick apart our yeah. calls. Um, but I just sent the other coaches who'd done it. So I said, this is the date that Coach Krzyzewski did it. This is when Pat Summit did it. And today on this date, Tar Vanderveer, as the clock is running out, joins the 1,000-way club. And then just handshakes and teams celebrating and, and all of that stuff. So I was pretty happy with that call. Um, and then if we switch to other sports – I've gotten to call some walk-offs now in softball, um, and I've looked back, and softball trots are pretty quick. <laughs> but the best part, the best part of that, right, is the celebration at home plate. Um, so I called a couple where I was just talking all the way around the bases again. This is what happened. This is the walk-off. They win the series, and now they're this in Pac-12 play, and this is coming up next week. And it's like, shut up. <laughs> all you need to know is what this means, uh, why it was a big deal. And then I, li I like to um, try to stop the call someplace between third base and home plate. And uh, that weekend, a couple weekends ago in Oregon, yeah, a walk-off shot to, to knock off UCLA. It was an upset for the Oregon Ducks. And I just tried to call what it was and that they, you know, took the series, took the game and the series from the Bruins and then pause and then let all the smiling faces and the O's and everything and the celebration at home plate take over. Um, so I, I think I'm still figuring it out just by watching things back and thinking that was too much of me. I didn't let the moment shine as much. Um, and then listening to other big moments like this weekend, I'm sure there'll be uh, another few, you know, it's been great just watching March Madness because you get to hear so many different broadcasters yeah. and how they call big moments. Uh, and now the baseball season's back underway. Same thing. Anytime there's a big play, I just try to listen to all the different ones and see what I like and don't like. And I think that's what everybody tells you as a broadcaster, right? You got to be yourself, but but take take little bits and pieces from other broadcasters. So if you like a word that they used, I try to write down words. I have like a running list on my computer of great words for volleyball and soccer and basketball, just that I can try to continue to expand my vocabulary, um, especially when it comes to exciting moments. So um, that's how I've done it the last few years. And I'm sure I'll listen back to some of the stuff I'm calling this year and, and try to improve upon it next year. Uh, who do you listen to? Who are those people that you take from maybe most? Ooh, everybody. Try to listen to as many people as I can. Um, because I think that, you know, sometimes unknowns or underrated or up and coming just because of the teams or colleges they work at, 
can be creating magic and, and we just don't know about it. Um, at the same time, <laughs> most people who've gotten the big gigs are where they are because they deserve it and they've put in the work. So, uh, you know, Adam, who I mentioned this weekend, yeah. uh, great guy, just love listening to the excitement in his voice. Um, I'm surrounded. I, I live here in the Bay Area. I'm surrounded by <laughs> so many incredible play-by-play announcers. Uh, I would be stupid not to listen to them. So I mean, I worked for I worked for KNBR, the Giants' flagship, um, for six years. So, Flam, Miller, Crook, and Kipe. I mean, when it comes to calling baseball, I don't. I we're just damn lucky here to have all of them, and they all bring different things to the broadcast. So listening to them, uh, Tim Roy, who does the Warriors radio broadcasts here in the Bay, Bob Fitzgerald, they do a phenomenal job. They're very different broadcasters, but listening to them, uh, the people I work with at the Pac-12, and I'm not just saying this to blow smoke. I mean, again, Flem, Ted Robinson, Roxy Bernstein, Guy Haberman, J.B. Long, the voice of the L.A. Rams. It's yeah. just like I'm surrounded by so many top-tier talents that I would just be stupid if I wasn't listening to them. Um, and then also, you know, the women that I work with at the Pac-12, you had Ann Schatz on a, a little while ago. I mean, when it comes to trailblazers, she's, like, great. Yeah. she's at the top. Uh, Krista Blunk, who was doing radio sideline, I think, uh, for Westwood One at the Final Four. She's our number one women's basketball play-by-play announcer. Uh, so working with her. So I listen to all of those people. Um, and then, I mean, uh, on the national stage, I would love to have, you know, the football calm and importance of an Al Michaels. I mean, you can throw out all the big names, right? Brad yeah. Musburger. Um, but uh, but I think I don't want to be exactly like any of those people, but I think you get to a certain position and you learn from it. You know, Beth Moens is – our number one right now because she's put in all the work and learned from it and is a mentor of mine now. And, um, you know, I, I listen to her to see things that I like and, and would do differently because we're just different people. So, uh, watch your feet. I'm dropping names at this point, just throw, <laughs> throw, throwing people out there. And I'm sure I've forgotten a bunch and I'm going to be mad at myself after, after we're done chatting, but I really do try to listen to as many different people as possible because I think, that doesn't get me stuck on trying to emulate one specific person. And it also just keeps my eyes and ears open to all the different ways I can do things. Uh, you mentioned uh, Anne being a trailblazer there and and, and Beth and, and all of the other uh, women that are kind of titans of this industry in their own right. Yeah. So uh, if I can, if I can bring up the, the, the woman issue with you, uh, <laughs> what's, uh, what's it like nowadays and, and how much has it changed? You know, I feel like there's, there's such a, yeah, you know, it's almost like it, people that, like the Twitter trolls, they're like, she's a woman, I don't want her on my TV. It's like, well, mm-hmm. screw you, buddy. Like, I feel like the <laughs> majority of the people now, I feel like the public perception has changed so much. But that, I mean, that's like, you know, go ahead, you know, white man preach. Um, you know, like, <laughs> what what's it like from your perspective? Has there been a shift or is there still that internal pressure that like, like you said earlier, like, hey, I can't, I don't want to screw this up because I don't want to screw it up for everybody. Yeah, yeah. I think it's both. I I mean, obviously, there's been a shift, right? I I was telling you, uh, as a high school junior, not that many years ago, you know, 99, 2000, uh, I didn't even think I could do this because I saw Robin Roberts and Linda Cohen on SportsCenter. They were the female anchors. I saw Hannah Storm and Susie Colbert a little bit and Bonnie Bernstein and Michelle Tafoya. But like that, that was it. It was like the handful and Leslie Visser and Andrea Kamer, obviously on a national level. But there were so few. Um, so the facts just number wise and the fact that Beth Bones is calling NFL football and that I work with so many women play by play announcers and analysts at the Pac-12 now um, and that Jess Mendoza is calling Sunday Night Baseball and Doris Burke is doing NBA and Carol Lawson, you know. So, so yes, definitely, there's been a huge change. But at the same time, it's still uh, – there's Doris, you know, that's one. There's Beth, that's two. So I think I personally still definitely feel that pressure of everybody's still watching. And, yes, there's more acceptance now, and we are moving in the right direction. But I know that if I say something incorrectly on a football broadcast – it could be bad for women for a long time just because this was an opportunity and man, she really screwed it up. Um, and then there's going to be that hesitation again because it comes back to who does the hiring, right? You know, uh, it's still, 
99% white men. <laughs> so it, why do they want to put their neck on the line for somebody who might make everybody look bad? Uh, it's a risk still. So that's why I'm so thankful for Paul, who I already mentioned, and for the 49ers a couple of years ago and for the Pac-12 and for everybody who's given me an opportunity. Because do I feel like I've worked for it and deserve it and have earned the opportunities? Yes. But I also understand that there could be blowback and there could be um, things that they wouldn't experience if they had just hired a, another white dude to do it. Um, so I appreciate and respect and I'm grateful for that um, and try to be that much better because of it. So I think it's both. Uh, I think we are in a much better spot and I'm so grateful to the Anns and the Andreas and the Leslies and, um, you know, Christine Brennan and everybody who put up with all the shit they did because it was <laughs> – I've, you know, I've sat down with them and just, I just can't do anything but shake my head and say, I thank you. Like, I can't believe everything you put up with. I don't deal with any of that. Internet trolls. Yeah. That's way different than going into a locker room and experiencing some of the things they did yeah. or from front offices True. or from, or from people who actually hired them to do broadcasts and then said certain things to them before broadcast. Like <laughs> it blows my mind that they were able to continue um, working and, grinding and keeping their head up and and getting to where they are now um so so yeah do you feel like we're beyond most of that too even i mean even and this goes beyond play-by-play for you i mean because you're always out covering things regardless what outlet it is uh that does it feel different for you now just covering sports and going into locker rooms or going to practice oh yeah oh yeah yeah definitely i mean uh Anytime I'm in any of those situations, you know, I'm in a meeting room with a bunch of male coaches and everyone who I'm sitting with me, my producer's male, my director's male, my, you know, everyone who I'm working with is a guy. Um, but they're just talking ball with me. And then I think back to some of the stories I've heard from the women who are, who've been doing this a little bit longer than me. And that something as simple as a meeting and being looked at as an equal and accepted and just, okay, yeah, she's a part of the broadcast. Let's talk ball. You know, that they they didn't get to experience that 10, 15 years ago. It was, who's the chick in the room? Like, can she get me a coffee? <laughs> yeah. Make me a sandwich. I mean, it's crazy, but I think it's an important thing for, I say young kids, but I also mean people my age and guys and guys and girls, everybody to understand that, yes, it's changing and yes, we're moving in the right direction, um, but it wasn't that long ago and we really need to respect and thank everybody who got us to this point um, and then do do our job now to push it that much further forward. Um, but I think a lot of that, you know, shout out to the guys too, because again, the people who were willing to take the risk, the the coaches now who, who treat me with the same dignity and respect as they treat all the, all the guys that I work with, you know, uh, I think a lot of it um, has to do with title nine and the fact that so many people I work with, so many guys that I work with, they have daughters, right who've played sports sure. and who've grown up playing sports and are now coaching or officiating or working in sports too. I think that has had such a huge impact on things because they get it now that they, they grew up also knowing, Oh yeah, women can know sports. So that's helped. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're moving in the right direction. Just got to keep kicking that can down the road. I don't want to take too much more of your time because I've already gone over what I asked you for. Um, but if I can no, no worries. S- sneak in something else here, um, I, I do want to like, fanboy on the 49ers thing uh <laughs> what's it like calling NFL? Uh, what was it like i mean to go into a booth and call an nfl game um oh it was terrifying <laughs> okay uh it was uh gosh everything you can think of it was incredible it was amazing it was uh career changing uh as i knew it would be but it was terrifying and overwhelming and uh, I probably prepped way too much for it um, and probably should have taken the advice of just throw it away, just throw the game notes away and just call the game. Um, but again, it was – no woman had ever called a, an NFL game on the radio before. And uh, I I never called a football game on the radio before, right? I'd done TV <laughs> football. So it was like, holy fuck, like what am I doing? But – uh, I knew that I was prepared to call it. Um, the fact that the 49ers, 
again, were wanting to give me the opportunity meant so much to me. Um, you know, Bob Sargent calling me and offering me the opportunity. You know, that's like another one of those, just like junior year in high school in front of the of the office down at Clovis High. Like that's another one of those moments I'm never going to forget. It's going to be etched into my memory. Um especially as somebody who grew up a 49ers fan. I mean, what is the chance that anybody is going to get to call an NFL game period and then get to call for the team that you grew up cheering for? I mean, walking into Levi stadium that day was just another one of those days. Like what, what am I doing here? Is this real life? Um, And then just getting down to it and, and trying to be the best play by play announcer I could. I think that was a big part of it. Don't get overwhelmed just try to stay in the moment. Um, do the best job that you can working with a couple of analysts. You know, it was a three-man booth, and that was another thing. They only – those guys, you know, Keena Turner and Dennis Brown, amazing ex-49ers. They only really do this during the preseason two. So, again, it was the pre-show talking. What do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? Because it's not something they do all the time. So, um, but uh, it was – it was awesome uh, and terrifying and incredible. And that was one of those moments that gave me the confidence after listening back to the broadcast of, okay, you're, you're okay at this. So let's listen and hear what we could have done, done better. You know, I sent the tape out to a bunch of friends who then critiqued it and we had conversations about it. But I just saw it as another couple of reps. You know, I got to call out the first two preseason games because Ted Robinson was down in Rio um, at the Olympics. Uh, so just using that as a – this was a decent – let's get better now and let's continue to get uh, better as a broadcaster and especially a football. And if you do radio again, how can you do this better? Um, but it was a phenomenal experience that I knew. Again, if I said yes, I knew that it would get me some recognition um, nationally and help to push my career uh, along a little bit. So uh, it was all of that and more. And um, I'm so thankful that for some reason they took a risk on me. Did that become a goal? Or and maybe it was before that, like after experiencing that, did you say like, hey, you know, I want to be an NFL voice of a team? You know, that's the interesting thing. Uh, not yet. Um it was what I said, incredible. And yeah, I mean, if the 49ers called and said, <laughs> we'd love you to be our radio I voice, I'd say, no, hell yeah. yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Can I sign the lifetime contract now? Um, because it was phenomenal. Um, but, but I, and I've, I'm getting asked that more and more. So I guess I should work harder on having an answer <laughs> to it. <laughs> uh, you know, people are like, do you want to be the first woman to call a Super Bowl? And, uh, maybe, um, but I'm just having so much fun right now calling everything. Sure. Um, and uh, to be honest, <laughs> you know, soccer was the sport I played the most. Uh, it was my travel sport until I got hurt and then really went into journalism full time. So like calling the World Cup is, is my number one goal. Calling the Olympics, uh, any sport, underwater basket weaving uh, at the Olympics. Like that would be awesome because and i know it's weird because they aren't the same as when we were kids like the olympics were it when we were growing up um so that's never left me even though they've changed and uh, the politics and everything around them these days are so much different like i look at the olympics coming to la in the united states in a number of years and i just it's kind of one of those things i have circled let's figure (laughs) out a way to get to call something at these games um but getting back to it, would getting to be the voice of, of an NFL team be incredible? Of course. Like, would getting to be the voice of, you know, my alma mater, Cal, for, for a sport? Yeah, that would be – that would really be something. Um, so I think I just haven't allowed myself enough time to pause and think about that, what that would really mean because of uh, the association that comes with that, right? We kind of – feel like we're friends with the broadcasters of the teams that we love. So, so yeah, I guess in answering this question, that would be pretty phenomenal. And I would definitely love to do that. Um, but right now I'm just kind of in the thick of it still. I still really feel like I've repeated so many times already. I'm still learning and growing, so I can't even fathom getting to do that yet. But uh, maybe I should start thinking about it more. Well, J.B. Long is the fencing guru, so he could probably, if you <laughs> take care of J.B., then you can, oh, you can do know, fencing in LA. Oh, I know, my boy J.B. Oh, <laughs> so proud of him. And he's, it's guys like 
uh, JB and Guy Haberman, who again works with JB and and myself at the Pac-12. Guy's gotten to fill in for Tim Royal's Warriors broadcast, and it's just being uh, friends with them and being so close in age to them. That kind of that gives me the hope and the drive that okay, this really is like we're getting close to it. It's possible. So keep grinding, keep listening to those two, um, because even though it's hard for me to understand that we're getting close to that age because I still feel so young and like I'm still learning. Um, you know, it is, it is possible. We are getting to that level. JB is the voice of the LA Rams. So, uh, so that uh, I, I love working with those guys. They really, they really motivate me each and every day. Well, Kate, how do people uh, track you down or find you if they want to follow you on Twitter or, or watch you on television or, or hear you on oh, radio? Geez. Do you want to do that? Okay. <laughs> uh, if you if you want to do that, uh, I'm at Kate, the letter T, and then Scott. So Kate T. Scott on Twitter because some jerk got to Kate Scott before me and never tweets from it. And geez, what can you do? Um, but then I've gone with that handle for everything else to try to make it easier. So I'm at Kate P. Scott on Instagram. Uh, I think I'm at Kate Scott Pack 12 on Facebook, although apologies, I'm not on Facebook that much. Um, uh, and uh, recently actually started doing radio again on the daily, which I'm, I'm wondering uh, why I agreed to it, but I, I am enjoying it. Uh, we launched a, a Pack 12 uh, Sirius XM channel. Uh, so it's Sirius 373. Uh, and I'm hosting our daily afternoon show from 3 to 6 p.m. Pacific time with Jeff Schwartz, played for Oregon. He was a lineman for a number of years uh, in the NFL. So he and I are doing that show uh, Monday through Friday in the afternoons. As often as I'm not calling a game, then there might, may be somebody else there. But uh, I think those are all the ways. And then obviously on the Pac 12 network. Hopefully you get it. And if not, just get sling. It's easy. Come on. There's so many over the top options these days. I don't want to hear it from all the people who say, we don't get it. I'm tired of that. <laughs> all you millennials with your cable Seriously, subscriptions. Everybody watches TV on your phones. Come on, get over it. Figure it out. That is Kate Scott of the Pac-12 Networks joining us here on Play by Playcast. And if you did not get this sense listening to that interview as well, uh, I mean, she does voiceover talent. If she wants to call any game, like, I'll put her on it. Like, just a tremendous voice for this industry uh, and, and voice for this craft and voice for this profession. Uh, I think it was one of her co-workers at KNBR uh, during my prep. Um, in, in a newspaper article about her, called her voice buttery. I feel like that's an apt, apt word. She's got a good voice for this craft. Uh, many thanks to Kate Scott for, uh, for joining us here on PXPCast this week. I said off the top, uh, Kate is one of a, a litany of really good guests we've got coming up over the next couple of weeks as well. Uh, next week, I don't know what order we're going to do these in. So next two weeks, Tim Roy, who's the radio voice of the Golden State Warriors, gets to talk about Steph Curry. Uh, a lot, although not right now, but for the most part, gets to talk about Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson. Uh, Tim Roy will be uh, one of our guests in the next couple of weeks. Sat down with him this week while the Warriors were in town in Indianapolis to take on the Pacers. And then Ken Daniels, who is the more than two decades voice now on television of the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, as I record this, I'm actually sitting down with him tomorrow while I'm up here in the Metro Detroit area uh, for baseball, sitting down with Ken Daniels uh, tomorrow to talk about his career. So those two episodes, I can guarantee you, uh, are coming your way in the coming weeks here on PXPCast. So keep it locked. If you do not subscribe yet to the podcast, hit the subscribe button. We will be downloaded every Friday morning straight into your podcast app or however you find this uh, podcast, whatever app or listening device you use. And... uh, throw us a rating and review as well. If you have a second, throw us some stars, quick little jot about what you enjoy about the podcast. Uh, certainly helps me know that people are out there listening and uh, certainly helps with, um, with uh, you know, the, the ratings and the algorithms and all that stuff for iTunes to make it easier for people to find the podcast as well. So, Uh, That'll wrap it up for us, though, this week. Many thanks again to Kate Scott. Many thanks to you for clicking subscribe and download and joining us once again. And we will talk to you seven days from now. Hit it, Marshmallow. We're out. And that will do it from St. Louis, where the score is inconclusive.